Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome again to uh, the Larson Hicks Show. It's good to have you here, and uh, it's been a minute. Uh, I think I, I start every... Recording this way, it's been a minute. Sorry, it's been so long. Uh, but anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, I've been traveling this last um, uh, this last week or so, uh, sending uh, taking my kid, uh, my oldest son, to college up in Idaho at my uh, alma mater, which has been really fun. Um, and uh, so, anyway, just got back today. So um, happy to be back and excited about uh, this new phase of life for him and and also for my family. So. Um, there's a little update about the Hicks family. Um, I want to talk today about this this verse uh, in Proverbs 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So um, I'm not going to try to do a deep dive or anything into the exegesis or whatever of, of that, but just, just wanted to kind of use that as a jumping off point to talk about listening um, to people graciously, um, listening to people... Um, with patience and humility and uh, just being slow to um, slow to react to, to what people say. And, uh, and this, this applies in real life and it, it applies in person when you're dealing with people. But I find this to be the biggest challenge in two settings. One is um, online, you know, in, in, in this world we live in, there's lots of online, um, I say online, I, I really mean that as shorthand to say like non- uh, direct, immediate, um, verbal, uh, face-to-face, right? So, so that includes, uh, um, text. I feel like texting, um, and, and internet forums, you know, like Facebook or Slack or, or different, you know, groups that you might be involved with, um, where you're, you're having, uh, conversations and discussions, um, uh, kind of asynchronously, uh, over, over text. Um, and the other would be, um, the other would be books, you know, books or blogs. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, with books and blogs, I'd say, okay, I mean, we should separate those out because blogs are, are typically being written, you know, on a, on a more immediate, um, context. So people are reading them shortly after they were written. And it was kind of, usually a blog is sort of intended to be more of a, um, content to be consumed immediately uh, about current relevant issues. Um, books um, are not typically that way. Some some are, but generally when an author writes a book, they're thinking about, um, you know, a topic or a subject that they want to sort of contribute to thinking on, uh, you know, kind of join into a conversation that's maybe been happening for centuries and they want to add their, their piece to that conversation. Um, and I heard this quote uh, on a well on a blog uh, or on a on a podcast, um, the uh, uh, podcast with Josh Gibbs uh, called uh, Proverbial. He mentioned this quote, and I can't remember who who said this, but it was something like, um, "People in the past um, are uh, uh, are like people from another country; they do things differently there." Um, I think was the quote. And the point was that when you're reading someone who wrote something 
you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, or 500 years ago, especially, you know, you're, you're talking with somebody who's from a different time, you know? And so a good example is like the Bible. You know, when you hear people getting up in arms about the way things are in the Bible, it's like, you recognize that that's, you're taught, you're, you're, um, you're offended, uh, by these things that were going on in a culture that's potentially thousands of years, you know, several thousands of years, um, older. Um, and, uh, do you really expect that they, uh, did things the same way that we do things today? Um, and so I think we have a hard, I think it's easy for us as Christians to see those and go, yeah, of course it's absurd to expect that, that, um, people behave the same way and act the same way and that, and that, um, um, I wouldn't be, um, out of place in that world. You know, there, you would be wildly out of place in their world. They would be wildly out of place in our world. Um, you know, if you've ever, um, read, uh, C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, you know, when Merlin shows up, um, it, it's a great, great picture of that. You know, it's just like, whoa, this guy, this guy is this great hero from the past, but he's also not from here, you know, and he does things in a completely different way says things are completely different and it's just like to the extent that it's like uh, you know you know offensive almost right uh, but he's good uh, he's good it just takes some grace and some patience uh to to see through that massive cultural difference so i think the same thing's happening same thing's happening when we're reading blogs you know uh again if if it's a local blog our church some of our our uh teachers in our church will write blogs you know, that's something that's really written for our people and our place and time. Um, so it should be easier to understand. It should be more a- applicable. Um, but then sometimes you're reading a blog from somebody who lives in a different part of the country, uh, who is addressing problems in their church community, and it's a different culture. You know, people react, you know, interact with each other differently. There's different customs, different ways of of, uh, of speaking, you know, directly or indirectly about, about things. I think... Um, I heard this really hilarious um, comparison of the way that people in the South hang up the phone versus the way that people from other parts of the country hang up the phone. And it's like people in other parts of the country, you know, when you get the end of the conversation, you go, all right, well, talk to you later. Bye. And then uh, people in the South, it's like there's like a whole 15, 20 minute sort of um, process where it's like, well, I probably should be letting you go here soon. But anyway, I just one last point, you know, and you kind of slowly circle around and kind of bring it and you don't want to be the person that's saying uh i'm, I'm done talking you want to say like oh you're too important and you know I, I better stop wasting your time it's great been great talking to you and i'll just let you go you know and it's like anyway it's just funny it's funny to kind of look at it through that lens of oh that's a weird way that we do it but we do do that in the south i've noticed that it takes a while to kind of wind a conversation down and it seems rude when somebody just goes all right see ya," you know and just hangs up you're like oh Wow, that was rude, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I think that that when you're reading a blog or you're reading, you know, uh, well, let's just let's just leave it there at a blog. Um, you're interacting with people who are from a different place and who are addressing people with potentially slightly different customs than yours. So their way of speaking may be a little offensive to you or maybe easy to misunderstand. Uh, understand. So it takes extra effort um, to um, to kind of interpret and um, and not to allow yourself to get worked up about uh, whatever they're saying you need to kind of read it with some grace and some patience and go maybe maybe they're meaning something different uh, maybe I shouldn't just 
assume this is like my, um, some, you know, that they're saying it the way that my pastor would say it, if my pastor was saying this sort of thing. Well, then you, you talk about, uh, texting and internet, you know, other kinds of internet, um, not, you know, asynchronous communication. And I feel like, um, I see this so much where somebody is saying something and they're actually making an effort, you know, to try to be nuanced or try to be sensitive. Um, but you know, people just have a snap reaction when they read something and go, is he saying this? You know, and I noticed this, I had my whole, um, I've got uh, employees all over the country and we all got together this last week. And, uh, and it was funny because one of, um, I guess it was two weeks ago, but one, one, I noticed that I saw this thing happen in real time. We were all working together in the same building, which we don't normally do because we're all remote. And, um, I watched as one of my employees sent a message and I saw another employee go, Hey, did you mean this? Or are you saying this? And the guy and the the guy that sent the message responded, "Oh gosh, no, I wasn't saying that. I, I meant this." Oh, okay, great. I when I first read it, I thought maybe you're saying this, and I thought, "Wow, um, how much drama was just avoided by the fact that these two people were in the same room when that message went out?" This guy sent this message, thinking in his own head he was being crystal clear. Somebody else received it and got a completely different understanding. Uh, like and, and couldn't necessarily read the tone or understand exactly what he was alluding to. And I thought, you know, in a normal asynchronous, you know, setting where we're work, we're all working remotely, that might have taken several days and several conversations with other people. Did you see this message that so and so sent me? Check it out. Like, can you believe the attitude? Like, oh man, wow, that's crazy. I didn't think, you know, that person would talk that way or think that way or or like, is this a new policy that I didn't know about? This thing he's referencing, and it's like, you know, there there could be this whole telephone game of like passing this thing around to other people, like trying to double check and not get offended. Uh, and, and you end up, uh, you know, days later, finally getting on the phone and going, I had no idea that that's what you were saying. And I, I completely ran, ran with what you said a different way. So I think that's a, it, w- it was helpful for me to see that in real life and in real time, like how quickly a face-to-face conversation completely removes all of the potential confusion. Um, and you know, it's, it's, there's a really hilarious, uh, video on the internet of two dogs on either side of the fence and there's a gate between them. And, uh, when the gates close, these two dogs are just showing their teeth and just growling and barking and, and like they're going to kill each other. And then somebody opens the fence. And as soon as the fence opens, they both, both stop barking and they start wagging their tail and just kind of looking at each other. And then, uh, and then the fence closes again and they immediately start barking and being nasty with each other. And the, the meme, um, you know, the comment was like people, uh, communication on the internet versus real life. And it's like, you know, in real life you are, you have all of these other tools at your disposal, you know, you, and so you may be a bad, uh, verbal or written communicator, like your, your actual wording may be not all that precise or clear. But, but you, as a human being, have made up for that, have figured out a way to communicate using everything else, using your tone of voice and using your eyes and your emotions and your hand motions. And, and while you're saying it, you're getting feedback in real time. You're watching their expressions. And we know faces so well that we can see, oh, what I'm saying is not making sense to this person. I better keep explaining. I better keep saying it. And then you see the light go on in their head and go, okay, I can see they're tracking now, 
or you see that as you're talking that they're kind of getting offended and you go and you and in real time you realize that and go I better reword this because I think they're not getting it all of that happens in real time without any real conscious effort it's all kind of subconscious but um, but there's a lot that's going on there uh, that keeps these conversations this communication uh, from 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 spiraling out of control with misunderstanding you know you you're able to ensure that your message lands and confirm as you're saying it that it's landing um so you know twitter is kind of the most extreme example of you know twitter has forced people to say things in this really short um hundred and whatever it is 22 44 character uh um uh, window you know of, of letters uh or or words um and just in general, you know, chatting and texting, it all tends to be a lot more brief. And so you just kind of spout off something and in your head, it sounds right. And in your head, your tone is a certain way, but then somebody else reads it and they don't, they don't get it. And so I know I'm, I'm going on and on, but I'm trying to make a point here that, that this is a, this is a real challenge. Um, and, and, um, we've got to work extra hard, um, to read, uh, and listen, uh, graciously and and uh and slowly this was something um i feel like i really learned um in my theology class uh in college with dr lightheart peter lightheart he was big on this idea of reading other authors graciously taking the time to make sure you really are are processing what they're saying before running off with it and and it's a really important trait to have especially in the world of theology because you know, theology is about God and, and everything that pertains to God. And obviously, people care deeply about anything that's said about God. Um, and there's obviously massive implications. If somebody's saying something wrong or false about God. And so, and and w- what I see um, in the Reformed world is I see this kind of, um, especially newly Reformed people, you know, um, the, the term cage stage has been commonly used to refer to people, uh, at this phase. I feel, I, I know I'm going to offend somebody by saying this, but I feel like I see a lot more of this with reformed Baptists these days. There's a lot of people who grew up Baptist and are, are becoming reformed and they go through this phase that's kind of intense where it's like a light switch has gone on. I'm starting to see things in a particular way and, um, I'm starting to care a lot about theology and now I'm, I'm looking at the way that um, other, you know, I'm, I'm reading all these things and, and uh, every time I come across something that, that, that's not right, I just want to call it out and I want to shut it down. And it's kind of, I'm part of this tradition of, 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 uh, um, of men, reformers who have, who have saved the faith by fighting the good fight. And look, uh, obviously there's a lot that's good there. Um, the, the danger is that um, you're not taking the time to read and listen and understand the arguments that you're interacting with. Um, the example that I saw this last week, and, and, and me and Rich Lusk have a podcast called um, Got a Minute, and we're going to do an episode on this on this topic uh, this next week. But uh, Canon Press up in Idaho published this book um, called uh, uh, Men in Marriage um, by George Gilder. It's a It's a republication of a book that was written in the 70s, uh, originally titled Sexual Suicide. Uh, Gilder at the time wasn't a believer. Um, He is a believer now. Um, But it's like, here's a book that was written, what, 50 years ago? Um, 
by somebody who's pretty far outside of our tradition and um, he's coming at this question this topic from a very different place than most of us would would come at it um, and there was just there were all these quotes that were pulled out he, he makes the statement that, um, that that sort of this fundamental like massively important concept to understand is the sec he called he says the sexual superiority of women um, and that phrase sexual superior superiority of women just triggered all kinds of reform people you know who just read it and went that sounds like feminism you know warning lights warning you know feminism now what what would have been wise is for someone to go um, but wait a second, who is it that's republishing? Oh, Canon Press, and we know Canon Press is like super, uh, super. They're defenders of the faith who are on on high alert against feminism themselves, and so certainly they're not publishing something that is feminist, that's advocating for feminism. So maybe I should maybe I shouldn't freak out about that phrase, and I should try to understand what that phrase means. Uh, but no, uh, you know that's not what a lot of people did. A lot of people just took all these quotes and blasted them around the internet. And before you know it, everyone's worked up, you know, apparently a bunch of people, you know, I don't fortunately follow a lot of this stuff, but I heard about a lot of it. And the hilarious thing is, um, I just got a, a copy of the book and, uh, read through the first, uh, uh, chapter and the couple of prologues and intros. And, um, and it's just out, absolutely outstanding. You know, it's such a strong, uh, a powerful defense against um, feminism, <laughs> and it's just funny to me that that there are people getting worked up about it because it's like, um, it's just funny because he's it's it's completely anti-feminist. Um, and uh, anyway, but but it's a good example where it's like here's a guy who's writing from a different culture, a different time, different place, and the gut reaction is just to react and 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 I'll say and I said this in this podcast that me and uh me and Rich had uh, recently about about conspiracy theories that this is a behavior that's really rewarded in uh in social media that that kind of the dark patterns the the behaviors that the that the internet that social media is trying to develop in us and reward are uh, these kinds of hot takes you know they like you get rewarded if you come out with a hot take and actually if it's if you're misunderstanding something and being controversial that's actually rewarded you get more you get more likes and more shares and more comments and and that feels like you're winning it feels like success right in the social media world you get more dopamine hits you know per minute because people are commenting and and you get into an argument and you dig your heels in and before you know it you know you're having this big fight about something that actually if you would have just taken the time to go I, I should probably understand what this author means I should extend the grace to this person that I hope that somebody else would extend to me when I'm talking, um, and and try to understand what they're saying um, before I respond, before I post something on the internet. Um, forego that dopamine hit, you know, of being the first to give a hot take. Um, Anyway, I didn't mean to get distracted into this whole controversy uh, topic. Um, I really just wanted to come back to this point that, that um, again, Proverbs 19, 11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. It is a glorious thing to not get offended. Uh, it's a glorious thing to be slow to anger. It is it is part of maturity. It is part of wisdom. It's something we should cultivate, and uh, and I'd, I'd especially encourage it um in 
in your text messaging and your if you're on a an email form or chat form or Slack form or whatever it is, uh, Facebook, and you're reading something that somebody says, before you start to get your feathers ruffled, take time to go. Now, what what might they mean by this? And maybe I should ask some clarifying questions. Maybe I should try to gently um, probe. Uh, the author of this thing I'm reading to make sure that I'm not misunderstanding it. You know, I mean, a good way to do it is to say, I may be misunderstanding what you're saying. Are you saying this, you know, like restate what you're concerned that they're saying first and, and, and give them an opportunity to respond before you start to counterattack. Right. Um, and I think if we did more of this, um, I'm not. What I'm not saying is you're not allowed to disagree. I'm not saying you're not allowed to disagree. I'm not saying you're not allowed to argue, um, you know, or defend uh, your position or your the the word of God or whatever. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities and places where that's totally appropriate. Just do it like a Christian. Do it like somebody who's wise and who is actually seeking peace and is actually seeking unity, not peace because you're ignoring things, but peace because you're you're being gracious and slow to anger and uh, and uh, quick to overlook an offense. Don't don't get offended by by uh, wording and by cult, you know cultural things that that really shouldn't offend you. So I'll stop there. I hope that that's an encouragement to you to to kind of redouble your efforts uh, to just listen graciously, to read graciously. Um, this is a this is something that if if the church is really committed to cultivating this this kind of wisdom this kind of uh, maturity um, it will um, go so far um, in um, in I think um, growing the church and blessing the church helping the kingdom um, you know Jesus's prayer again and uh John 17 and high priestly prayers that that we would be one even as God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one and this is uh, and and by this by our unity the world will see and know God um, and this is something we really so we really want to pursue that purity and peace in the church um, and uh, and this is one of the most key ways we can do it is is read with patience with with graciousness uh, with with maturity. So I'll stop there. It was great uh, being back on here. I've got a few other things I'm probably going to uh, put up here soon. Um, so uh, be looking for those. And uh, we'll talk to you later.